0: This is Critical Nonsense, our high lowbrow show about culture, science, and tech. This week, Joey asks me about reconsuming things we've seen, read, watched before.
1: Woo. I'm at the Pizza Hut. What? I'm at the Taco Bell, what? I'm at the combination Pizza Hut and Taco Bell. This is what a Joey sounds like. And this is what an executive producer. And Kentucky Fried Chicken, Jess Vander sounds like. Hi, this is Jess. <laughs> how do you hmm. you're you're thinking awfully hard about, <laughs> oh, about that?
0: How do I feel? Mm, I'll sit. i simmer on it.
1: Do you know? Do you know the Kentucky Fried Chicken map way of finding Kentucky on a map?
0: Please tell me more.
1: There's, there are these maps that are drawn. If you put like, hold on, I'll find it. Uh, uh, if you look at a map, people have like drawn it out so that you can basically turn a number of the states into a chef holding a tray where it is Minnesota is the hat, uh, Iowa is the head, Missouri is the body, uh, Arkansas is the pants, Louisiana is the shoes, Tennessee is the tray, and Kentucky is a piece of fried chicken (laughs) on the chef's tray. (laughs) And so if you're ever having trouble finding Kentucky on a map, you can remember that trick. (laughs)
0: That is amazing. <laughs> I've never heard of that. I'm also now just the idea of like the zoomed in, the zoomed in image of Kentucky as chicken drumstick is or or whatever <laughs> whatever part you think that is is very amazing.
1: Yeah. It's it just has that like it looks like it's breaded and fried, you know, great. Um oh my Jess, do we have any? housekeeping anything from recent topics or anything like that that has been on your mind
0: yeah I had someone um on the conversation about what things should we be gamifying I don't know how we didn't even talk about this but of course financial wellness and um personal investing is such is the like maybe the most obvious thing and could you, you know, get points for not touching your money? I, I I, know many products have tried something like this. Like there's that one that rounds up where you just like keep the change, you fill the animal, but there's like, there's, it yeah. could be so much better than that. You know what I mean? Anyway, yeah. I thought I was really, yeah. I was inspired by that idea.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess that world, too, brings up, like, both sides of it. The Robin Hood gamification of, like, people basically just gambling or things like that is, like, the flip side on that conversation. So, totally. Um, well, did I bring up last week that I saw a uh, someone had made, like, a VC vesting schedule for finding a mate in lieu of dating apps? <laughs> did I share that in, like, the housekeeping? I think, I think you I did. did. Right. Uh, I was like, what are, "What are the things that we've talked about recently that I found amusing?" Um, all right, Jess, I'm old. Yeah, <laughs> that's what we're talking about. We're not talking about I'm old. Um, I wanted to talk to you about reconsuming content, uh, you know, in many forms, whether that's a show or a book or a movie or things like that, because I've gone through an experience recently. Where I reread um, a Neil Stevenson book called *Anathem*, uh, that I love. I I'm not sure if it was the second or third time I read it, but the the bigger point was that it, it had been quite a while. You know, maybe a decade since the last time that I had read the book. And what I found really interesting as part of that is that it felt like. A wholly new book to me I think in part because you know I'm not the same person I was since the first time I read it if it had in fact been a decade that's like a lot of time for theoretically personal growth but at minimum you know expansion of knowledge and learning a lot about the world but also the moment has changed you know 2023 versus 2013 is like a very different (laughs) moment in time. Uh, You know, the book touches on ideas in physics and metaphysics and philosophy and all of these different ideas. And and when thinking about like metaphysics or or physics, like the JWST has gone up and our picture of cosmology (laughs) has changed so much. And there's been so many discoveries and breakthroughs and I wanted to ask you how you think about reconsuming things and what's the value of going back to experience an old thing as a new person?
0: Whoa, this is big and good. And also takes me to places that are so beyond what I think you might initially think of as content like content feels like like a, a video you liked that one time like this week <laughs> this week I was I found myself quoting something that was this viral video running around University of Michigan's campus at the time I was there and I was like cackling to myself just thinking about it and then rewatched it and it was like, Oh my God, this is great. But also recognizing that making other people watch it with me, I was like, also I can tell this isn't funny for you, but I'm doing, I'm going through something (laughs) right now. But I, but I, but I think that that is so small compared to like one of the first things that I thought of when you brought this up was art and recently uh, i went to a museum where they had re-curated an entire gallery by acknowledging all of the ways in which they had left out black history and like sort of the role of um so, uh, like all of these other perspectives that had been dropped off of um this gallery that was otherwise, um, and, and that it was not even just in the, in what was depicted in the art itself. It was about the curation of, it was about like where these paintings came from and, um, you know, and, and I, I and like the histories of the the figures in them. And it's just so, it's so interesting to think not just about the revisiting as the consumer, but even in some moments, like revisiting as a creator or a curator of something that like, maybe the first time you put something together, um, it, it didn't do justice or in, uh, in time, it doesn't sit right to like, to leave it like that. Uh, and that it needs to be changed.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, so much of what you're talking about, right. Is, is the perspective with which you would view that art right and, and that the perspective of portraying it was sort of absent like important voices and collaboration and depictions and and the story that you're choosing to tell and i think that but that idea of perspective too fits over that like temporal uh dynamic as well right the because your perspective changes and expands and contracts in so many different ways over time, you can experience it on a personal level or you can experience it on like a societal level or, or whatever it is. You know, I'd heard uh, Chuck Klosterman talking recently and, and he was talking about lots of different things, but somehow the subject of if you could take a pill that allowed you to forget something that you love and re-experience it for the first time, would you? And Mm -hmm. he was using the example of like, you know, if I could go back and listen to like a Pearl Jam album as if it was brand new and it was the first time I was hearing it, like would I do that? And I thought it was interesting For a bunch of different reasons, but like in particular, right, like the reconsumption oftentimes requires the initial interaction to give it meaning, right? Like whether it's that Michigan Mm -hmm. video that was like meaningful to you in that moment. And so you can at least Mm -hmm. sort of access some of your previous perspective, right? Like if you rewatch a movie, like I recently rewatched a movie with some friends. When we were on, like, a trip, we were, like, cooking dinner and just played this, like, movie from when we were teenagers in the background. I don't think we would have thought, like, it was, like, a funny or good movie necessarily or we would have enjoyed it as much had we not enjoyed it when we were teenagers because filmmaking has grown and expanded and comedy has changed. But, like does that same thing, you know, music in particular, like the emotional experiences that you have when you're a teenager so have so much more gravity with music than maybe they do today. But like a book or, or something like that is, yeah, I don't, I, don't know, I don't know how to parse it. I just felt like this was like a yeah. totally different book the second time I read it even though obviously it's all the same words and you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, we talked about sort of the, um, it sounds like the first, first experience as the viewer a little bit also like the creator or the artist or, you know, the maker. Um, But I think what you're getting into now is like that, Um, maybe the spirit of your original question, I guess, which is like the new things that you take away as the experiencer because it just reads a little different. Like, even when you've talked about Bluey, (laughs) right? Like, if Emerson watches Bluey in her adulthood, she'll be like, wow, I missed that. Did not.
1: (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) Totally went over my head. Um, But also because... Living now makes a lot of sense. I I also had remembered when my mom first recommended that I read um, a book that I've I've um, I've talked about in the show before Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People. Um, she said, and he actually also in the preamble had like underscored like the way this book works is that you read it again and again over the course of your lifetime, and that it will it will breathe new meaning in life as you come back to it. And you're like, Oh yeah. Or it makes you think on new experiences you've had in work and in life. And you can recategorize those or restructure how you had thought about them so that every time you come back to it, it's giving you something. And I, I think that is, uh, I don't know. Like, is, is that a sign of something that is good that it continues to, to, to do that. Like, that's what conversation is around the Mona Lisa, right? Like that it continues to have people just talk about her and like, why? Like, is she smiling? Like, what new history do we know? Like, why the brows got to be like that? There's just, um, yeah, like, is, that, is it a standard of, of quality in a way that you can continue to get something out of a thing over time?
1: Yeah, I, I like that idea o- almost that something is more robust if it can have many conversations with you over time, that it is a more, like, I'm trying to think about, um, you know, some, like, movie or or something that, like, meant a lot to me when i was a teenager because it it was speaking directly to teenagers maybe uh you know mm. like i don't know american pie the movie right like it feels like it is like the idea is like you're tapping into the ennui, or like 10 things i hate about you or you know whatever like to all the boys i've loved before like a, a more modern example right like for a teenager the the way in which you're feeling those moments can connect. Cause you're like, I can relate to that. But if I think about like high fidelity, which was a movie with John Cusack and, and like, his like relationship. Like I watched it as a teenager and I, I, it felt like very sort of aspirational in, not in like wanting to be like John Cusack's character, but aspirational in having a level of perspective around love and relationships that you could like try to like reach for in some way. Mm
0: -hmm. Whereas like,
1: yeah, I I don't know, you know, like, oh, uh, and maybe they would, I I don't have like strong opinions about all the boys I've loved before, but like, I don't know if you don't, come on, if you're not, if you're not a teenager like, if you didn't watch that movie when you were 17 and, like, going through a breakup or something and you, like, pick it up when you're 35, does it, it does it carry the same gravity? Whereas I've, I'm wondering if I went back and watched High Fidelity, would I just see it now as someone, like, closer to his age in the movie and have, like, a different, like, history with love and all of those things, but it would have the same... Gravity, uh, it, that it would be more robust because it can have many conversations at the same time.
0: Yeah, of course. I mean, it would make a lot of sense that any story, whatever format it's coming in, movie, book, but a, a story and a character, right, like you you may connect to it less if that character doesn't reflect you and your current life experience as much. Even if, Even if that maybe was you in a prior life, it may not hit home the same way if it's not all you're preoccupied with at a given time. Uh, so I do think that there, that what you're pressing on this question of timing of like stories and you meeting, having a meet cute um, is absolutely a thing. And is why even when you watch back sometimes a, a movie or read back a book and you're like, God, this is worse. Like this happened to me with the twilight series. Like it, you you read it back and you're like, wow, really, really <laughs> interesting. You were, I mean, this is my internal monologue, right? You were engrossed and yet it is everything the commentary has said. And those two things can coexist because at the time, you know, in middle school, when I read that series, it, it spoke to something. <laughs> it spoke to something. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, I think there, it is like the... Like, are you talking to like a very specific person or age or mind state versus are you having a conversation about some set of ideas that it, I mean it and you it doesn't have to be like all highbrow right like the bluey point that you brought up right parents like it it's having many conversations or the way that people have talked about Toy Story or things like that but it is it it is interesting to think about this sort of caliber or like a conversation about qualia that you know I'll, uh here's an example like i watched uh me earl and the dying girl like i went and saw that when it was out in the movie theaters a few years ago and it was a story about teenagers and love and loss and whatever i was you know maybe in my early 30s or something like that when it came out and it was still like beautiful and the way in which it had the conversation felt like accessible and that it was talking about, you know, like almost in like, uh, like ideas in a platonic level, like it was reaching for something that was like capital T true in a way. And that made it big versus just like, Hey, like being a teenager, you have emotions, huh? Like, you know, like, or yeah. like, yeah, Twilight is just, like, a whole lot of exposition, but it happens to be exposition that is talking to, like, 13-year-olds, right?
0: Yeah. You know what is, like, I think maybe what you're you're getting after is that uh, it's not fair to just say, like, something that has a universal and sort of enduring theme is good and that something that is extremely timely can also be good. And I think the perfect example of this is comedy. Like, comedy ages so fast like nowadays yeah. like in a week um because a new thing totally changes the paradigm or the context um but that that incisive sort of clarity that can come from something super prescient something super timely uh, is not is not necessarily worse either um and so it's interesting to think like maybe something like, um, certain types of comedy could be f- like designed to be that fleeting. Like it, it really yeah. only works right here. And right now it's, uh, that's kind of a beautiful thing.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I'm like, it's making me wonder if, right. Like when we talk about masterworks, right. You had mentioned some stuff about history and like our pre-show conversation and that we still have a conversation about, you know, Beethoven, even if not many people maybe are like going back to listen to Beethoven, there's like some understanding that he was tapping in to some like new novel or, or expert thing in the same way we might talk about like certain literary works of you know, Shakespeare or, right, like 10 Things I Hate About You is like a, a take on, the, what is it, the uh, the Taming of the Shrew, All Shakespearean
0: right? works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, She's the Man is a variant of Twelfth Night. Yeah. Uh, which is also, I would say, an enduring cinematic work, if I had to categorize. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but like the the idea that, or you know that people will still go back and like you could put on like Chubby Checker or you know like some early like rhythm and blues musician and understand that they were like tapping into some new thing and that it was meaningful and that you could listen to it and enjoy it now if it's that or you know I've never yeah. seen Citizen Kane but people talk about it at, in a certain way as a great film that like holds up in some capacity and and that idea that like it's okay to be creating a work of the now, but like in the way that people say George Carlin's comedy holds up over time potentially, but that he, his great comedy wasn't being produced until he was like in his late forties or fifties is sort of like it, it, it sort of alludes to like, are you at like masterwork or are you able to like create a thing that is like tapping into the now and it, is it is it worthy of praise to create an enduring thing? Yeah, this, I guess I don't know.
0: At the intersection of all of these Venn diagrams, it's like Hamilton. You know, that's just like <laughs> boom, right in the middle, bullseye. Um, Lin Manuel, you got you just nailed it. You just nailed it. Yeah, I I think I mean that is the uh, we were sitting around at dinner the other day um asking you know if you could go if you could go back to any point in time without fear of safety you're just a tourist of a a time traveling tourist where would you go and um uh, I think somebody brought up like wouldn't it be nice to just like share with some artist or somebody like you you don't know this before you'd like Van Gogh like you don't know this but uh, after you die you become incredibly famous and relevant <laughs> and and seen and all of your all of your mental well-being hardships like uh, you know this might not cure it but like just so that you know like that happened for you um <laughs> well yeah
1: it, it it's it's interesting to think about that uh, that same idea of like are you tapping into something that is like capital T true or real are you ahead of when society is... Right? Ahead like, of your time. And do you... Right. Yeah, and do you want it? Like Franz Kafka, like I, I know some of his story, I haven't read his books, but like that he was like toiling away wow. alone, like wasn't really even sharing his work, but then a lot of them were discovered after he died. And like... I,
0: yeah. I sort of the get the impression from what I understand. metamorphosis is all you need
1: to know. Yeah. Yeah. Like I get the idea that like he didn't even really... Want people to read his no, definitely work, was like he didn't definitely care. was like,
0: Don't do it, yeah, it was like, don't, and then, yeah, which is that itself is like what um like whether you like it or not, the way things morph and are affected, I will never forget in um my high school English class, um this was one of the things we heard about um Robert Frost like everyone's everyone's like oh Robert Frost greatest poet uh two roads diversion a yellow wood like you know everyone's favorite Robert Frost poem and and my teacher was like yeah Robert Frost was like never like never <laughs> got so pissed cuz everyone was like wow it's so symbolic it means all these things and he was like nope it was just two roads diverging it it was not more complicated and the people were like shh Robbie shh (laughs) (laughs) just like let me like it's a metaphor he's
1: like no it's not (laughs) it's not a metaphor (laughs) yeah yeah I mean I guess the reconsumption thing that we started on is like how how much of that you how much of that is even connected to this conversation? I guess maybe insofar as Mm -hmm. like, can a like, would I still have enjoyed rereading Anathem as like the example that we started, like the first time I read it, I just enjoyed the story. Like my understanding of some of the ideas of like physics and philosophy. I I just were less robust because all of my knowledge in that arena is very like autodidactic and just pursuing like interests is not expertise by any means, but over, you know, many years, like 10 plus years of just watching like science videos on YouTube and like reading journal articles or things like that, like somehow it's compounded. And so it's a different book to me, not like, I still enjoyed the story, but then so many of the other things because of how Stevenson writes, like, i had a deeper like there were the layers like you got it for like the 5 year old the first time where it's just like wow these people are doing crazy things and then the second time you're like oh i actually understood like how those things were happening in the universe building or whatever that mm-hmm. was different and and maybe it's disconnected from the question of the longevity and is much more just the the fact that you can you know it it sort of comes back to like those sort of philosophical like bits of wisdom of like you can never step in the same river twice type of idea of like Mm -hmm. you'll you'll never get the first time that you fell in love with something back right you'll get a Mm -hmm. new version of it and maybe you'll like that the same or more or less but that like every moment is fleeting and that includes like your relationship with any of those pieces of content you consume. I don't know. Oh, am, I, am, I go, am I going too woo-woo at this point? Yes,
0: maybe, maybe, but also maybe not. And is this actually just Plato's allegory of the cave?
1: I mean, not, yeah. no. <laughs> not. <laughs> I, I'm like... Slowly walking out of the cave, and and my experience of walking out of the cave is painting the shadows in different light. Is that what you're saying? Light,
0: yeah. Well, and it's a, again, it the uh, for those uh, less familiar with Plato's Allegory of the Cave, something, something, uh, my bastardized version is um, the separation between your own. Lived experience and the scope of what your reality is versus some more kind of abstract objective reality that exists beyond that. And like the idea that you could be slowly shifting, like you're saying, like slow mo walking out of the cave. But are you actually walking out of the cave? Are you just like walking around? We don't know. Oh, it's good though.
1: The, the, what you probably don't know is that the allegory of the cave is hyper relevant to anathome actually. And it it, like the actual, they don't talk about it, it that way in the book, but the allegory is like most people, I think like unlearned people in the way that Plato talked about it is like, you're, you're seeing shadows cast from behind you of people like holding sticks of a horse. And so instead of seeing like, the pure philosophical form of like, what is a horse or what is a triangle? You're just seeing like cast representations of those things. But if you can like go out into the, out of the cave and into like the world above the cave, that that's like enlightenment that you catch a glimpse into like true geometry or, you know, true physical concepts that, that exist. But in like a metaphysical way and i i don't know i like that idea that of like when you have a moment or if someone truly creates a masterwork that it is like they for a 2nd were able to see something outside of the cave and try and capture it and that's why we love it you know again we're getting we're going deep
0: <laughs> is this critical nonsense
1: is this critical nonsense, Just You want to take us nonsense. to the cave, <laughs> the cave, the cave corner, Jess's wrap-up cave,
0: Jess's wrap-up cave, just, just a moonwalking <laughs> circle where I end up, right where I started. <laughs> Still the cave. Yeah. Um, the journey that you have taken, Joey, in rereading your beloved book and deriving new meaning. I think is a refreshing reminder to all of us that there is not shame in revisiting something that you think you love, um, that you uh, maybe have seen or consumed or read or um, watched dozens of times before because there are always new things that you can take away from something Um, with the caution that you might see it in a way that you, that kind of messes with that first beautiful Placid Pond impression. Um, But it is kind of a way to, uh, I don't know, take yourself out of this idea that you're a stagnant being and that um, something might be relevant to you in a moment in time and that that is true and valid and good. Uh, and that something might continue to offer you new meaning over time, and that is true and valid and good. And um, watch Bluey. So
1: it always yeah. comes back. All roads <laughs> lead back.
0: The to road Bluey. not taken. Actually, either road leads to Bluey.
1: <laughs> yeah, they all go to the same place. Uh, what you did, e- equifinality, know. equifinality. Yeah. All routes through a complex system lead to bluey. We did it. It's so clear now. Critical Nonsense is a Sylvain production.
0: Brought to you by The Cave. The Cave. The Cave. The Cave.
1: As always, we'd like to thank our executive producer and true theoretical object, Jess Vander.
0: You're welcome. We'd also like to thank Sound Engineer and the standard of quality for all things, Alex Conte.
1: <laughs> We'd like to thank Programming Coordinator and Equilateral Triangle, Les Jacobs.
0: Wow. And Equilateral Triangles. Thanks to our production crew, Sarah Gilbert and Nora Mestrich. <laughs> they both work? I like Equilateral. <laughs> like like.
1: I think both work. I don't
0: I like I like to hear I don't think I've ever heard it, but I like it. And as always.
1: As always. Thanks, Elaine. Special thanks, thanks Ellen. to multiple pronunciations.
0: I do like it. I also just it's always like you and I both have this thing of like a thing that is in our head or that's the way we hear have heard a word. And then you just hear it out in the world and you're like, whoa. Like, biopic. In my mind, it was always bi- biopic.
1: Biopic? It sounded
0: cool. And then I learned it was biopic, and it just became <laughs> worse. So I'll still... I'm still holding on to biopic.
1: I, I've i had lots of these, like, with, like, clients who we're, like, friends with and, like, saying something in a workshop, and they're like, that's not how you say it. And I'm like, actually... <laughs> like, You're using the British pronunciation. (laughs) Like, a stupid thing. Uh, Anyways, thanks to Actually, and thanks to you, Jess. Thanks, Joey.
0: See you next week. Bye.
1: Love you. Mean it. Bye. Bye. Equilateral triangle.